Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Mental Jacket. I am Joe List. I am happy you're here. I hope that you're doing well. Hope you had a great Christmas and holiday season. It's still the holiday season. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve, and uh, that's exciting. I hope you have a safe, fun one. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't you find that New Year's Eve, I always find, I put so much pressure on it to be like the best night of the year, to be this amazing thing, and it's just another night. Um, so have fun. Enjoy it. Even if you go to bed before midnight, isn't that kind of liberating? I mean, I won't. I'm not a pussy, but, um, you know, go easy on yourself and uh, take care. Comb your hair. Have a nice evening. Don't drive drunk. Don't get too drunk. You know, use a condom, whatever it is. Happy New Year. And go easy on the um, New Year's resolution, too, you know. Just make a daily approach to be your best self. That's my recommendation. And if you're here listening to this, you're, you're already taking a nice step. This is a nice mental health podcast. Um, and a friendly reminder from me to you to, to practice mindfulness as much as you can. Get a meditation practice. That's what I recommend. The Calm app is fantastic. I love 10% Happier, Dan Harris's um, app. I don't use the app, but I listen to the podcast, but I think the app is great. I've heard it's great. And his book, 10% Happier, is great. And of course, Sam Harris, no relation to Dan Harris, his uh, app, Waking Up, is what I've been using for the last several months, and I highly recommend that. I love it. And uh, my old school, I still use also Tara Brock podcast. Um, Tara Brock, T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-H, who I thanked her in my um, comedy specials. You might recognize the name for that. Jack Cornfield, Joseph Goldstein, Sharon Salzberg, past guest. These are all great uh, meditation teachers who have a lot of stuff online. Of course, Eckhart Tolle, who I love and adore. All their stuff is on online, on YouTube, on podcasts. Go check out any number of them, and all their books are amazing. And, of course, Thich Nhat Hanh, who um, I said, that's the first guy I really got into. Um, I mentioned Tara Brock, but she came after Thich Nhat Hanh for me, and in actual real life. He's like 88 years old. But anyways, I recommend any of his books. People always ask me about Thich Nhat Hanh books, recommendations, happiness, and peace of mind. Those are two different books. One's called Happiness. One's called um, Peace of Mind. Those are the first two I ever got, but they're all great. The Art of Living is one. Uh, the one I most recently read, I always have one on me. The Wise Heart by Jack Cornfield. I think I did this on a recent episode. I mentioned all these books. But just to get it in your head, up your butt, to... Uh, work some kind of meditation uh, program. I highly recommend it. It's very helpful. Any kind of mindfulness is, is good, I think. So anyways, thanks for listening to this. I, I hope you enjoy it. Um, this episode is fun. I just recorded it. I'm in a hotel room in Burlington, Vermont with my wife, Sarah Talamash, who has been on the podcast a couple times. And uh, I had an episode in the can, but we're saving it for a week from now. So I said, hey, I got I to gotta get someone on here. And we've been kind of on vacation with my family. So I said, hey, why don't we just do it? I only had one microphone with me. So the audio might be a little weird in a couple spots, but I think it's fine. And Sarah and I sat on the bed of our hotel here in Burlington and recorded a podcast. And I think it's a, a good conversation. We had a lot of fun. And we talk about weird things we did as, as children that we don't understand and feel bad about. We talk a little bit about sobriety and we talk about um, yeah, stuff like that, relationships, and uh, it was good. I think you'll get something out of it. I hope you will. 
and I hope you enjoy it. Um, I also want to recommend that you check out my YouTube page and uh, subscribe. I'm trying to build that thing up. And um, there's some really funny stuff on there. So go do that and uh, take care of yourself and be kind to each other. That's what I recommend. And uh, since Sarah and I are lovers and we just made love, I thought I'd look up a nice love quote. And this one popped up. I don't know. Maybe it's dumb and gay, but so is life. Here's the quote. Let's get it going. Let's get that nice music going. Cool it out. I love you not only for what you are, but for what I am when I am with you. Isn't that nice? I heard There's a good advice I heard from a friend. And this isn't a quote, but this is just good advice. My friend said, you know, sometimes he'll ask people, how are you? And people will say, good. And then he follows up with, how are the people around you? Mm-hmm. Think about that. Sometimes you may feel good. The people around you are suffering because of you. So make sure you're mindful of that. Anyways, enjoy this conversation with my lovely wife, Sarah Talamash. Thank you. strange one folks i mean I, I will have already recorded the intro this is not the intro this is the interview i guess i could do the intro all in one but i'm here on a bed in a hotel in burlington vermont with my wife and lover sarah marie talamash hi thanks for having me thanks. i came all this way thanks for doing it you're doing me a big favor so here's here's uh Here's the the deal. Here's the tits, folks. Uh, we're sitting here and um, we're on vacation. And I didn't want to sit over there and podcast while we're on a little trip. And I had one in the can, and but we're doing something special with that. Uh, so that date got moved, and so we're here. And so Sarah said, "Hey, we could we could do this together." So Sarah, this is Sarah's third appearance on the show. How do you feel being the only person that's appeared three times on Mindful Metal Jacket? I think it feels pretty good kind of like when you know when they do the tonight show and they had that one guest that would always come through yeah like if i you're you're mark Marin to my conan yes definitely the other thing we should mention and this is the second time we've had this happen that the two of us are on the podcast together i only brought one microphone um because i didn't anticipate uh recording so we're doing this like old school interview stuff it's almost like a make a wish like i'm a journalist and i'm interviewing you it feels like we're kids in the bedroom pretending to be like you're a celebrity yeah that's what it feels like did you ever do that when you were a kid did you ever like fake interview your friends or just interview your friends no i never did that we did the um tried to see if our singing voices sounded really great so we would tape off of the recorder and then when you'd hear back you're like oh my god i sound awful when you were a kid did you ever think like i have a very 
special talent. I'm I'm special. Or did you feel the opposite? Did you feel like I'm nothing? I'm a piece of shit. Or did you feel somewhere in between? Sometimes you feel one. Sometimes you ever. I guess let's stick to the first question. Did you ever feel really special? No, I did feel left out. I guess you know what I mean. Like, doesn't it? Sometimes I feel like everyone got a book on how to do life except me or mine's like the really old version. That's how I felt. But I think maybe the one time I did feel special, I was one of the few kids that did gymnastics and I was pretty good at it. Yeah. Well, th- th- first of all, going back to the first point, I think that that is extremely uh, common. So you should feel good about that. I remember the first time I did Bennington, the Bennington show, the great and wise Ron Bennington, who we love. Oh, enjoy him immensely. We just love Ron Bennington, and I was somebody tweet at him and be like, "Oh my God, Joe List and Sarah Talmash love you" or something. People always tweet when you say something bad. If you're like, "Ah, that guy kind of stinks," they'll tweet at that person and be like, "Hey, List thinks you stink." But if you say like, "Ron Bennington's the greatest human being I've ever met in my life," no one's ever like, "Hey, List thinks you're great." Oh yeah, I people on Twitter are awful. I have ones that are like now trying to make me. F- uh, They'll be like, well, this person's doing this. How come you're having a hard time with this? And then I'm like, why would you even bring that up? Oh, I blocked a lady that's a huge fan. <laughs> She's like a huge fan. And I posted a video. I post on YouTube first so I can get people to subscribe to my YouTube. And then a couple weeks later, I'll post it on Instagram. And then some lady was like, I've already seen this. Sam just released a new special. And I blocked her. And she's a fan. Because I was like, get, fucking beat it. Get out of here. Like, it's, can you imagine just going to their job and just being like, I heard so-and-so's got higher numbers than you do. That's like insane. Well, the, the people on social media that are like shitty or mean on social media, I think that they just don't actually realize or have, they think they're kind of being light and funny or zingy maybe or something. Um, I don't don't know you. Yeah. That's where it's hard. Or maybe they catch you in like a, a, in a moment or whatever. So, uh, but I should, I should just unblock that lady because I think she's genuinely a fan. Yes, I agree. um, But anyways, um, that feeling, Oh, so the first time I did Bennington, I was talking about anxiety and maybe drinking or whatever. And he was like, yeah, you felt like an uninvited guest on earth. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. It feels like you're at a party and you're, no one invited you. Oh, yeah. I, I remember um, going to kindergarten. It felt like I was five minutes late and that everyone already knew themselves. And then I remember the first project the teacher gave us was draw a photo, uh, draw a picture of herself. And she gave us. Uh, paper that was cut out like little kids. So all we had to do is like fill in the hair and the eyes and all that stuff in the outfit. I don't know why I didn't draw myself. I just drew what she drew. And then when I saw it, put it on the board with everybody else's what they drew. I was even as a kid, I was like, why did I do that? I didn't even draw me. I don't have red curly short hair. <laughs> oh, wow. First of all, I'd love to see you in red sh- Short curly hair. By the way, that girl was Michelle Wolf. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Michelle was very advanced. And I failed a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that feel, I had the similar thing in kindergarten. And I remember hearing Dave Chappelle talk about that, I think on Inside the Actors Studio, that feeling of it felt like everyone had met each other before. Yeah. And I had a, I had a thing where for some reason, 
my mother, my parents didn't send me to preschool. I still don't know why exactly. In fact, we're going to see them tomorrow. We should ask. I don't think you have to send your kids to preschool. I think you can go straight to pre-K. Well, you don't have... Well, I didn't do pre-K. I just had K. I just went to kindergarten. But I don't know why, but I felt like every other kid did. So they kind of knew each other. And similarly, I felt late. But knowing my mother, there was no way we were late. But there was people there and they were having fun. And I still relate to this now. It blew my mind that they were talking to each other. I was like, how did they first start talking to each other? And there are kids that just walk up and go, I'm, I'm, I'm Joey Baloney Pants. What's your name? That's strange to me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I reflect back on the, those times and I, I made a lot of weird choices and then I feel like it's created a pattern ever since. Well, that's, I mean, well, that is the thing with formative years. So if you went to school first when you're four or five, your formative years are zero through seven. So a lot of your patterns were already formed before you even went to preschool and kindergarten. And then they were like cemented in preschool and kindergarten. Yeah. Well, when I'm, I, you know, I had the thing of like, well, I, I, I felt out of place and then I felt like, oh, I know I'll, I'll just try to be really, really funny, like a people pleasing and there was this girl, Robin, that sat next to me in kindergarten. She was really nice. And I don't know why. I had a little bead for my barrette, and I thought it'd be funny if I stuck it in my ear. And it went way deep, <laughs> way deep in there. And then I was embarrassed to say what had happened. So I said she did it. And I remember her leaving the office crying. And I had to come forward and eventually just be like, yeah, she she didn't. I just couldn't have you think that I would do something so pathetic like that. That's great that you eventually came forward, but that is horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to get, I had to go to a hearing specialist because I believe it scratched my eardrum. That's how deep it went. But I actually think about her to this day. I don't even know her last name. And I was like, I wish I could make an amends. Yeah, it feels like you should. You should go find her somehow. That might make you feel really good to go and find her on Facebook. I'm sure she's on Facebook. I'm, I bet she's fat. Um, but <laughs> I would I would find her and be like, hey, I, I'm so sorry. I feel awkward. What was it like when you saw her like the next day when you saw her again? Or did she kill herself? Um, I think it was definitely... I don't know. I just picture now knowing like parents being like, yeah, it's probably best if you don't hang out with that girl. So I think our we had a, a distance from then on out. When, uh, when the thing was in your ear, did you start crying and panicking or did you get it to fall out or did someone have to take it out? No, I panicked. And then I think Robin was the one that told, told my teacher because I had to get out. That's really interesting. I want to dive deeper into this. So, what do you think you were afraid of that people would think you were stupid? Were you trying? I wonder if your parents, maybe they were so smart or, or thoughtful that you just didn't want them to think, oh, my God, our daughter's retarded. Is that what you think it was? Yeah, the, definitely that. And I have another memory of I just got these walk, play like toy walkie talkies that actually worked pretty well. And I remember like it was the hit of the neighborhood and my neighbor across the street. He was like, let's just see if those work underwater. And even then I was like, underwater? Like, what even pers up? But then I tried it and then they just completely broke. Because, like, why would you need to have walkie-talkies work underwater? 
that doesn't make any sense. I broke them. And it was like when, as soon as they were broken, I was like, I'm like the biggest idiot. And that was hard to also explain to my parents what had happened. But that was a, a people pleasing thing. Yeah. Well, first of all, you can't talk underwater. <laughs> I mean, that's like the main thing. Even if they work, there's nothing that would have come out knowledgeable or in a like, that you would know what I was saying underwater. It would be like, blah, 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 blah. that's what it sounded like. Yeah. That's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer. But I think sometimes, I mean, that still happens now is like you, you kind of, it's kind of like you believe what people tell you. Like we talked about this the other day and this is going to take us off topic a little bit, but we'll come back. When we ordered food, we ordered food, and they were like, you know, they're, you can't eat inside, so we'll bring it outside, wait in your car. And then they came out like 90 seconds later, like impossibly quickly later. And in just the moment that the guy was walking towards the car, I was like, in your head, you're like, it must be our food. So I guess they, I'm like, all right, we had fish. I guess they cooked the fish. Maybe it was already cooked. And then, of course, we get the bag, and we're like, it's not our food. And you're like, there's no way that could have been our food. That doesn't even make any sense. It's similar to walkie-talkie. But in the moment, we operate under this thing of like, well, I guess it is. I guess that's our food. Or you're like, all right, maybe this he's saying it, so maybe it would work. Is that something? Oh, yeah. I talk about this all the time. Like, this isn't my story, but it's a good example, and I think you have a very similar one that you could probably share after this. But I have a good friend, Ashley, and she told me she went to a game night with her other friends and this new roommate of one of the friends. And they were playing some kind of game, like maybe like a trivia game. And the question came up of like Egypt and Africa. And that's Ashley was like, yeah, it's in Africa. And then this girl, the new roommate girl was like, Egypt is not in Africa and was so strong in her conviction that it made my friend Ashley go to the bathroom and Google it just to make sure. And she knew she was right. And I was like, yeah, that's like one of the most basic things you kind of learn in um, history in school within like the first few grades that you just know Egypt is in Africa. But that girl was so strong in her conviction or whatever that term is that Ash it made Ashley second guess herself. And I think that's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, it happens all the time. I mean, I have a bit about it um, where I make that almost that exact joke, but the guy, um, I have a couple stories like that. But the bit, the bit is like, because uh, it happens to me all the time. I mean, I'm a pretty smart guy, and I also hate myself. But so I was driving at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, and the guy said, this airport is bigger than Maine. And I was like, right away, I was like, that's the most insane thing I've ever heard. That's fucking crazy. Like, that's this, this, there's no possible way. And, I mean, that's the bit. I mean, the bit's like nine minutes long. But I did get out of the car, and I was sitting there being like, all right, let me just Google it. Like, I, I just got to double check. Because you are like, uh, and the joke is, I'm like, uh, this guy's a fucking idiot, but I'm also really dumb, so let me just make sure. And... And the bit is long, but the airport is 27 square miles and, and Maine is 15,000 square miles. I mean, it's not even like, it's just impossible. But there was a moment that I was like, shit, maybe, maybe it is. Um, and then the other one was, and I get mad because I didn't get an apology. This is where like my ego comes in and I have problems. But there was a guy talking about how Don Lemon is like a, just a lady slayer. And I was like, no, he's gay. And then this is a completely side topic. Someone implied that I was racist for saying like anyone, any black guy that's clean cut must be gay. And it was like, 
no first of all you call me a racist like he's gay he's a gay man and this guy was like no he isn't dude i saw and he was like acting like he saw firsthand i was like have i gone fucking mental and then i pulled up his book like the cover of his book is like him and his boyfriend it's called me and my boyfriend or something (laughs) yeah i mean like he's gay i mean don lemon's a gay man and then i showed him all this stuff and i didn't even get an apology like it was just kind of like we just moved on and this is again where my i gotta let go of ego i guess and we're off to a different topic but i'm like how about an apology what is this i mean i agree with you on that one like you can't just shame me and then I prove you wrong and not be like oh wow I must have been thinking about somebody else sorry I didn't mean to call you a racist yeah that's where I get like like I'm like fucking why don't you say out loud that you're dumb just say you're you're lying and you're full of shit and you're a fucking idiot just say I want you to say it to me oh yeah it's like I don't know you I don't know. It just feels like it would feel better. I go in a blind rage on stuff like that. Yeah. And then in my mind, I'm like, well, I let go of it. But I'm like, uh, here I am telling, <laughs> telling the story like seven years later. But um, anyway, so no, that feeling, it's weird when you're a kid, but that it is this weird psyche. I remember being really young, five or six or something. And there was this kid, I, I the story is like, hazy or foggy the memory i should say and i was at my uncle dale's house who's four years older than me which i always have to preface because i say uncle and people think you know of molesters that are you know in their 40s but we went to their neighbor's house and the kid was like rich they grew up in milton my family wasn't rich; they were like the poor people in milton but that's neither here nor there so we went to this house and they had some kind of like hole in their basement floor that was like a pipe to somewhere or something and it was like oh if anything goes down there it's gone forever i don't know if i knew that before or after yeah but he had like a a hot wheels car or something that he liked or a ball i cannot remember it because it was 33 years ago but i dropped something down there somehow and it was so spazzy i remember just being like oh my god i just lost his toy and I remember just leaving and not saying anything and being like, I'm getting out of here. And everyone was like, you're leaving? And I'm like, yeah, I just don't feel great. And walking home and feeling this horrible shame and this feeling of like, I hope no one finds out or notices. But I just did the worst thing possible. I didn't tell anybody until right now. Done the same thing. Playing in my friend's room and she always had nail polish and makeup and I always enjoyed playing with that stuff and I spilled nail polish all down the side of her bathroom dresser and I was just like I have to go and they brought me back because <laughs> they knew who it was and then I had to apologize but I've had I had another moment where there was a girl down the street I don't know I did not like her but I didn't have the guts to be like I'm I'm gonna go home so I asked her I was like can you see what time it is and she went inside to to look at the time. And while she was doing that, I pedaled home as fast as I could. And then I had to have them. They came to my house and then I had to apologize. And I'm like this. I know I it's shitty what I did, but it was easier than being like, I don't like you, even though that was probably way more meaner. Do you think there's been moments in our relationship early on that you were like, I hate this guy and I want to get rid of him, but you just were like, ah, I can't just ride off in my bike. 
Well, fortunately, I feel like I was already working a program. I was in, I was like, I think two years sober at that time. I had already broken off a relationship before you in a healthy way. I didn't even, I knew not to say it's me, not you. I was like, this isn't working out for me. So I felt like I was starting to, I don't know, be healthier in my way of speak, you know, being honest instead of hurting somebody's feelings. I never felt those feelings in the beginning, but I do remember thinking, um, because you were drinking in the first year or half, two years of our relationship, I remember thinking, I don't know how much longer we can do this. Because you can't date somebody drinking heavily while you're sober. I don't know how people can do it. Yeah, it's not like I was a person that drank. I was an alcoholic. And <laughs> uh, it was like a year and a half. We started dating at the end of June of 2011, and I got sober the end of December 2012. So it was almost exactly a year and a half. Or I guess just over a almost. You know what's funny? The midway point in the year is July 2nd. We started dating two days or three days before that, and then I got sober three days before the last day of the year. So we dated for exactly a year and a half, which I'm just realizing this moment. So that's interesting. Um, and now we've been together for eight full years of not of me not drinking. Yeah. And when you stopped drinking and I guess started doing the step work, I'd have to say this has been the easiest relationship I've ever been in. <laughs> Oh, that's really sweet. Well, now, yeah. Uh, I mean, I appreciate that. And yeah, same. I mean, first of all, I never had a relationship longer than 15 months. So this is, uh, this is something. This is quite an accomplishment. <laughs> so, I mean, we may even make it like another year or so. Yeah. Well, now you're, you're my longest relationship, doubly. Doubly. I like that. Mine's times eight. Wait, I, w I also want to go back to... Oh, I had another thought, and I've told this story somewhere before, probably on this podcast, but... Uh, and you reminded me of another story that I wanted to say. Um, a couple of them, but I think I told this story to you, or I definitely talked about it on this podcast at some point, but I remember <clears throat> we were going to my birthday party, and there was this kid named Jed Phillips... And he was a guy that um, I kind of knew in school, and I liked him. And it was like, I'm going to take the next step and like be friends with this guy. Like I like this, I like this guy. We talk and we see each other. And I invited him to my birthday party, and I was like, this is like a big move. I want to invite him to my birthday party. And I think he was probably excited. And for whatever reason, his mother contacted. Him. I don't know if his mother worked or it was a single mother situation or what. But he needed a ride, and we were like, we'll pick you up. That's great. And somehow, we didn't have the address he described. I'm in the house right next to Conley's school. And we pulled up to the thing. This story is going to like make me cry. I feel awful about it. We pulled up to the house to the left of the school. And for whatever reason, we just thought, oh, this is the house right next to the Conley school. And we beeped, and no one, no one came out. And I went up, and this is pre-cell phone and everything, and I honked the horn. I mean, I, I knocked on the door. And no one was answering. And I was like looking in the window and there was nobody there. 
So I came out and I was like, ah, fuck, he's not here. And I don't know why we didn't call. I guess I didn't have his number written down. We bust, yeah, we just didn't have his number written down. And I was like, well, I guess he's just not coming. And then we drove, and this, this, so this house was to the left of Conley School if you're facing it. And we drove away past the school, and then the house to the right, I saw him sitting on the doorstep. And I didn't say anything. And we drove by, and I was like, he's at that house. And I, d- I think I just didn't want to bother my parents. They had already been waiting there. And I just drove by looking at him. And later on, like the next day, his mother called and was like, Jed is like devastated. He's really upset. He sat and waited for you. And I feel horrible about it. No, I feel like, oh my God, like childhood is so tragic for that. But do you think, and I wondered this, sometimes you had something in your past that made you not want to bother your parents. I think that's probably it. Or I don't know why. Or maybe I think part of it too, because I have this now still, where you're like, I've already decided. I've already decided we're not, because I kind of thought he was blowing me off. I was like, I guess, geez, whatever. All right, fuck him then. And I was already in the mode of like, well, we're going to the party. We're not picking him up. And I was like, I can't go back on that. I don't know why. I just didn't have it in me to be like, wait, 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 wait. There he is. He's right there. I don't know why I couldn't or didn't say that. I think it was either, A, I felt my parents becoming impatient and I didn't want to bother them, which I feel all the time now. And B, I had already adapted to like, now ah, we moved on. Because I do have that feeling sometimes, and, and obviously we're in a relationship, so you deal with it. That thing where you're like, no, no, I've already decided on this. Like where I'm like, let's we're going to go here. And then they're like, it's closed or it's too far. But I'm like, no, but that's the thing. My mind is already, or if you're going to cancel something or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, um, not to call, but there's a booker that always would book you about two hours before the show. And it would be a show that you always wanted to do, but you're like, why two hours? I've already have my night planned and I don't now I, I know I want to do it, but I don't want to do it. Like, can't, I'd rather do it if you booked me a week in advance. Like I like to have my things a little bit planned out because I set my emotions. I don't just like change fast. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that was part of it. Yeah. I, I think we're similar in that way. And then it's even, it comes in again because you're like, why aren't I even able to say, and which that guy you're talking about, I think I eventually did say to him like, hey, you got to let me know a few days in advance because that's just how I operate. I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to say yes. I'm not that guy. I don't have that thing of like, if I'm home, that's it. If I'm out and you're like, hey, swing over here. I'm like, oh, okay. But I'm like, if I'm home, that's sorry. I'm home. Yeah, I have it too. Like, do you have this one? If somebody calls and you're not even doing anything, you could totally pick up that phone call. I ignore it. And then I'm like, I will call them back. And then I call them back about 10 minutes later. And I'm like, why? And I have to tell myself, why are you doing this? And I think it is anxiety. I think it's anxiety. And for me, it's like control where I'm like, no, I'm not ready for this yet. I'll call you. But yes, I do that. In fact, I remember there was like a funny uh, I don't want to say joke, but a, a, a funny thing that I would show people all the time on my old phone, and I'm sure this is the way now, it kept track of outgoing calls with total time and incoming calls. And I would laugh and show everyone my incoming calls, the total time I'd spent on the phone was like eight minutes and outgoing calls was like seven and a half hours. 
because for that reason, I just do not answer my phone. And I think it's like this cunty control thing of like, no, nah, 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 I'll call you when I'm yeah, ready. That's how I feel. And then I'm like, that's really awful. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, I have like, obviously, again, you're obviously are with me the most. Like I have horrible control problems that I'm trying to let go of but that again comes from childhood which we talk about a lot obviously off podcast is that I was so controlled and micromanaged as a kid in my family which you can see when you're in my family it's just so much micromanagement that when I left there or got old enough I was like I'm not doing anything anybody else tells me to do ever even if they're like hey you should do this this is great I'm like nope I'm not doing that because I already fucking did everything that everyone told me to do fucking a million times. And it gives me, even thinking about childhood with my uh, family and everyone like, hey, why don't you do it like this? You're doing it wrong. That, that thing, it just makes me want to be completely isolated and make 100% of the decisions, um, which is probably annoying sometimes to deal with, but that's what happens. <laughs> no, and sometimes with me, me it's like, I know I can't, I have a hard time saying no to things I don't want to do. And so I feel like when somebody calls me, it's like, they probably want me to drive them somewhere. That was a big one. Or, you know what I mean? Like, can you pick me up from the airport? And you're like, God, I want, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with, we talk about this all the time too, with voicemails. You're like, tell me what you want in the voicemail or the text. People are like, Hey, can you talk or can you give me a call? And I'm like, just please, I'm freaking out. Give it a subject line or I always thought with a voicemail before you now I like that they transcribe it for you most of the time, but like a like a mood ring, but for voicemail. So when you look who's called and left a voicemail, if it's like blue, it means they're calm and they're like, OK, cool. I'll call that person back. Yeah. Well, some people like Robert Kelly, I'm just going to name check. Like, obviously, I love past guests. One of my dearest friends, he married us. Um, but he's a guy that, you know, he's hot, he's fire, he's got a temper and he'll call and be like, dude, dude, give me a call. What? Uh, give me a call. Like, and you're like, what the fuck is this? And then you're like, Jesus, is he, is he mad? Did I miss a podcast? Did I say something on a podcast? Whatever. But that's just the way he talks. And then sometimes I think he just likes to fuck with you. So I've had to say to him, you gotta leave me voicemails like, Hey, I'm just calling to check in and I I think you're great, you know, and like cuz he has that way of talking. Some people and then some people just never call. Like Mark like recently he's been like I'm just going to start calling you, baby, or whatever. But I see him call and I'm like this is it. We're getting canceled. We're fucked, you know. Somebody posted us saying any number of things we've said. It's like getting a phone call is a sign of bad news. Yeah, these day de- well, I think also our minds just go to that for a lot of people i mean some people call uh, now i'm just name dropping but like colin quinn we have a phone relationship he calls and i'm like oh it's colin all right he calls to check in we talk mental health stuff and it's great but some people they never call or you know my mother calls i'm like oh god something could be wrong with you know whoever and then there's some people that never call. like if my i've made this joke before if my if i saw my dad calling i'd be like my mother's dead that's the only He's never well, called. Likely, what's going to happen? Exactly. So, if your mother calls, are you like, "Nice, ma," or are you like, "Oh my god"? No. When my mom calls, um, I know that it's not an issue. The only problem is, is like, I don't talk to her th- as much. Like, I don't check in 
I probably do it once a week to once every two weeks. So then lately it feels like all of our conversations are basically four hour long Joe Rogan podcasts. Yeah, you do little Springsteen shows <laughs> where you're like, and I hear it too. It, it is. It's like a Springsteen concert. You're like, okay, I'll talk to you soon. I'm like, oh, they just played Born to Run. And then all of a sudden, because I can't hear her end. And I'm like, you're all of a sudden I just hear you be like, yeah, I saw that. And I'm like, they just went into quarter to three. Oh, my God. It's a cover. And it goes. Uh, yeah. That I'm like, there was one night recently when I was visiting. Uh, we stayed up talking to midnight. But it's never anything like about our emotions. It's just like zeitgeisty things. So it just goes all over the place. Well, don't you find I this is my observation is I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You have a hard time confronting that we were disappointing someone or asserting yourself. So I feel like you just have a hard time ending the conversation, which I've experienced when you and I are trying to leave. And I had a realization in our relationship where you're like, I can never get out of there. People, they talk you up. And then there's been times where we're leaving and I'm like, wait a minute. It's you. You keep adding stuff. You keep saying more. And so I think that's part of those conversations is you have a hard time going, okay, I have to go now. Goodbye. Lately, I'm like, it's not like I even want this to happen, but I feel like I'm just talking people's ear off because I feel like, I guess it's a self-centered thing, but I should just be like ending it. But then there's also times you're talking with somebody or a group of people and you're like, you have to go. But it's so weird to just be in the middle of a conversation being like, I got to go and just leave. Well, to me, it's the opposite of self-centered. It's just that you don't want to, uh, not the opposite of self-centered, I guess, but you just don't want to feel like you're going to offend someone or someone's going to be mad or someone's going to be like, what's up with her? Why did she just leave? Yeah. Well, I, I think my, my friend made a, because I hung out with her and her mom. And then when I left and then I met up with my friend again, they were like, Sarah sure likes to talk. And I realized oh god that doesn't sound great it sounded like i just talked about something for hours that's kind of boring well this is interesting because and it's almost like a comedy sketch like a character it's kind of a funny character the person that doesn't want isn't that social but just doesn't know how to end a conversation so ends up being like the most social i mean it's like an (laughs) snl sketch like you literally i talk to anybody yeah like i know you obviously well i'm like i feel like you want to be with the people you're most comfortable with looking at your phone watching tv kind of chilling out whatever Mm. like you certainly don't want to be in a group at a comedy club talking to three fucking like open mic idiots or three audience members but you just can't get out so you end up people being like oh my god she's like she's just a chatty kathy yeah like wow she really can it sounds like I have like, here's the other thing too. I'm online so much that I'm reading so many articles that I can now chime in with an opinion about anything. <laughs> yeah. You know everything that's going on. Uh, yeah. So I have that thing of, I can be like this. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll see you guys later. But it reminds me also of, of a joke that I tried that I got to bring back because I was just talking about it to a group of people. They were laughing. This idea, for some reason this joke never worked, but I think it's really funny. But people say, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. And I always feel the complete reverse of that. People mistake my weakness for kindness. Like people are like, Joe is like the nicest guy. And I'm like, no, I actually hate you. I just don't know how to not 
talk to you. Yeah. Like I don't I don't have the ability to be like I'd rather not talk to you because I think that you suck. You're boring and it's awful to see you. So instead I just go, "Whoa, yeah, what's up, man? It's always great to see you. How you doing?" And it's actually my weakness is my kindness. Oh, that yeah. I agree with that. And I feel like I have that same kind of thing. So I got to figure out how to make that bit work cuz I feel like people relate so i'm like maybe i should just bring it back like sometimes i'll volunteer to do something i do not want to do because i feel like it's just like a nice it's nice and then i'm like why are you doing this yeah kind of like where i'm like i'll edit the podcast i'm like i don't want to fucking do this yeah that's hard because you have to find the balance because when you when you want to do it or sometimes you do things that you're like i don't really want to do that. my instinct is to say no I and mean, that's like the nature of like doing service for people is this idea of like i'd rather be watching a movie or go to the movies or whatever but i will drive you to where you need to be or i'll stay on the phone with you to try to help you which does make you feel good and live a quality life there's those things but then there's the things you're talking about where it's like i do i don't even think this is, i don't think you need this help you're just an idiot. By the way, I'm not talking about editing the podcast here. I've just moved on. I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm calling whoever you're podcasting with an idiot. But no, no, no. I'm I'm saying like there's times where someone's like, "Hey, will you come do my show?" Or sometimes it's a podcast or whatever it is, and you're like, "I don't want to do that fucking at all." But I just don't know how to say anything. Oh yeah, because like I think you get asked to do a podcast, and it sounds rude, but you don't. I'm like, I don't want to do a podcast that gets way less listeners than my podcast. And I don't even have a lot. I'm like mid-range. So there's times where I'm like, who are you? I did one, this lady, I thought it was this other lady that I knew and it was a different lady. And then I didn't know until the Zoom popped on or when I got shot into her room. I was like, I, it was like I had a brain injury. I was like, what's happening here? I had no idea who the, lady was it reminds me of the the jimmy the jimmy episode of um seinfeld which is my favorite episode of all time where elaine's going on the date with the guy who refers to himself in the first person or third person i always confuse those where he says jimmy likes elaine but he thinks she's talking about and, and then she doesn't realize she's going on a date with this other guy um yeah that lady's hit me up too but no i i feel that way now with podcasts where first of all i do 11 of my own podcasts where now I'm like, I will do a podcast if I do think it's going to, like Joe Rogan or Mark Marin or, um, you know, whatever it is, something that's going to really help that's a big part of the career. Or obviously, friends. yeah, or friends yeah. or people I know or people that I'm like, oh, I've met that guy and I like that guy and his podcast has 11 listeners, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that person. Yeah, and what are we doing right now anyway? A lot of the times we have the time. But it is, it's like sometimes you're like, I, this isn't doing anything. Yeah, there's times where I'm like, and then sometimes you go on the podcast and these people, A, they'll make jokes about how no one listens, which I find rude. I'm like, let's at least pretend somebody's listening. I think it's like obnoxious. To, you're consuming my time and being like, no one listens to this. <laughs> and you're like, well, fuck you then. Um, and I forget the other thing I was going to say. Oh, and sometimes they don't even have anything like prepared, which I don't prepare anything for this show, but I feel like I'm a good conversationalist. But Sometimes they're just like, um, yeah, I don't know. Or it's like disorganized. And I'm like, oh, so you don't even value my time. You're a fucking asshole. Oh, yeah. There's, you're, you should, they're like, can you be there at 10 a.m. in the East Village, which is like an hour away? And then you get there and they're like, you start at 1030. Well, it's pretty clear who you're talking about here. <laughs> 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 um, 
But that that's at least a friend of ours and a big podcast. But no, I, it's look crazy. Uh, ex- extremely frustrating, but um, it is his son's birthday today, so that's true. So shout out! And by the way, uh, Luis Gomez, we're talking about his son, and I admire Luis Gomez. I don't want to people to think shit, but it is like a huge New York. I feel like ma- creates this thing where you're like, I'm even get mad if somebody's ten minutes late. Yes, uh, yes, obviously. We love Lewis, another guy who was at our wedding and participated in the ceremony because Bobby set him up to heckle. And said, wrote the nicest thing on our wedding photo. Yeah, we have a little wedding photo that has like a white matting and then everybody signed it. And Lewis J. Gomez wrote the most thoughtful, like literally, it's not even up for debate, like the most thoughtful. Our parents didn't write shit. Our, you know, our siblings wrote whatever. Lewis Gomez wrote the kindest, most thoughtful one. And, but... His podcast studio happens to be in Alphabet City, not even the East Village. It's in Alphabet City, so it's about an hour and fucking a day from our house. And Lewis, God bless him, has never been on time for anything ever. So it's very frustrating. Um, but obviously, Legion of Skanks, um, I enjoyed doing that one. But anyways, uh, that's a side note. Uh, but uh, Lewis's son was born on my first day of sobriety. It's it's kind of interesting. So I always have his son as like, my sobriety is James Gomez years old. Oh, yeah. My uh, niece is the same age as my comedy career. Oh, that's interesting. Pretty much so, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I forget what I was going to say about something. But I w- we were talking about uh, sobriety a little bit, and I just celebrated my anniversary this week so we can talk about that a little bit which is exciting which it is interesting because i've thought about it before but now i'm like visualizing lewis's kid who feels like a grown-up we just saw him this summer and he's hilarious and really funny and we wrestled a bunch he's well behaved yeah well he's he's got a great father and a a good mother i don't want to by the way i I said great father and i said good mother which implies that lewis is better i don't know what b's doing but she's a sweet good person and and I think Lewis is a great dad, but um, yeah, good kid. But it is weird to see like, oh, if my sobriety is like coming into its own, it's a child who uh, knows mixed martial arts. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I guess I'm just talking about my sobriety and James at the same time. But what I'm saying is if my sobriety, I want to fuck my sobriety. It's a hot little kid. Yeah. Sorry, I made a pedophilia joke. That's more Tuesdays with stories kind of stuff. <laughs> Now we're cooking with jizz. Yeah, Sarah uses some Tuesdayisms sometimes. It's fun. Oh, I love it. That's gonna blast your tits off. <laughs> it's a fun uh, podcast. But anyways, um, yeah. So I'm now in my uh, ninth year of sobriety, which is strange. That, that's like kind of mind blowing. And you're what, what your eleventh year of sobriety? Yeah, I'm in my eleventh, and I'll be my twelfth in the summer. Yeah, you're so you're ten and a half years sober how does that feel Crazy? it's weird well you're now in this weird area where it's like you've been sober for as long as you drank which is weird yeah especially because when your your whole identity is for the longest time is just sur- like you your whole world is drinking yeah i think that i'm like for a long time i was the drunk drinky guy and now i'm the guy that doesn't drink and now we were talking about this the other day I have friends that I never drank with, that have never seen me drink. Like Ari Shafir, who's obviously one of my closest friends, 
maybe it's not obvious, but people, I assume most of the people listening to this podcast are following our careers. And, um, but that's like one of my best friends, but we never drank. Ari and I never drank together ever. I was drinking when I met him, but I was like, I hate that guy. Fuck that guy. I avoided him. And then it wasn't until I got sober that we started hanging out. So it's weird to have, um, and there's a few other friends like that. Like I have a bunch of close friends that just have never drank with me. It's interesting. I don't know. Um, <laughs> do you have friends like that? I guess is where I was going. Like, like Adrian, you've never, you guys do a podcast together. You're close friends. You were never drinking around her. No, and all the people that I did drink with, I don't really hang out with anymore. And the times that I have hung out with some of them, I'm just kind of like, not with them in particular. I I just find a lot of the times their life is chaotic and it like, I don't like to mess with messy people anymore. That's what we were talking about. It was like one of my New Year's resolutions. I just get irritated you know when you hang out with that person that's always like, oh, my, I'm so unlucky or like they always have shit happening and they think it's just like they don't know why it's happening and you're like, well, you make constant bad decisions. Yeah, well, that's the main thing that happens in an, an act of sobriety anyways is sort of asking like, where, what is my role in this? Where am I at fault here? And I talk about this all the time when talking about sobriety is like it's the realization that I thought everything was happening to me and at me i thought like the industry was like actively like fuck this guy like you picture like the show business industry a big room of people in suits and they're just like slap up at my headshot and they're like here he is guys nothing for him <laughs> nothing do not let anything happen for this guy and that's what you're literally visualizing and i always talk about like late night i was so bitter and upset that i never got to do a late night and then i got sober and realized I have never once attempted to do a late night. I've literally taken zero action uh, towards that. And then I did, and I got it. it it's like I kind of talk about this like with, uh, this is like a fucking weird analogy uh, that I'll probably get shit for, but I'm like, I, I never fired a gun. I'm not interested in firing a gun. I'm not an anti-gun guy. It's complicated, my feelings on guns. But I'm like, I've never fired a gun because... I'm like that just greatly increases my chances of shooting somebody or myself. So I'm just I'd just rather not. I'll skip that activity. I'll do these other activities. I, I don't want a gun in my hand. I feel that way with late night. You're like your chances of getting on late night dramatically increase if you attempt to do it. And I hadn't, and I was just like, ah, I can't get a late night. They don't fucking like. I literally thought someone was gonna knock on my door and be like, Hey, come on, can you come do Letterman? And then I tried, and uh, I did it. Yeah, generally I feel like everything in life that I've actually put energy into has come to fruition. Is that the right word? I always feel like I'm making up words as I go along. I do that all the time. I just embrace it and say, fuck your mother. But yeah, no, I think so. But yeah, it's like if you try to do something you probably can do it. And at least you're like, all right, well, I tried instead of just being like bitter. But anyways, back to the drinking. That's why I think people that, not anyone that drinks, but people that have like drinking problems, a lot of times it's this thinking problems along with their drinking problems. And it's like everyone's after me or I have the worst luck. And you're like, but you slept like two hours past your alarm. 
So that's why you got fired. Yeah, it's like, I mean, you told me that story. This girl invited people over. It was a rooftop party. One fell off. She wasn't responsible for that person getting seriously injured or I don't know if they died, but she definitely was like, I'm not responsible for it, but it happened because of my decisions. And I, I that's stuck with me for a long time of like a lot of things that you're like, it doesn't happen to you or you're just like, oh, uh, it's not directly happening to you, but it's like a constant mess in your life. Like she obviously dealt with the repercussions of it or like a bad stigma and shame with it. I think of stuff like that. And then I feel like my life has just become simpler. And now I don't even want to hang out with people that make create those choices or situations for themselves. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where I, I feel happy that I've, kept a lot of the people I drank with and, and they still drink excessively and I'm still friends with them and I see them, but it's much, um, you're more at a, a distance in a lot of times. Like you go, all right, uh, that was fun. And then you can see that look in their eyes or they have that seventh drink or whatever. And you go, all right, take care. Yeah. And also you just live a different life. You're like, all right, I'll, I'll hang out during the day. I always say this too. I'm like, I'm a day guy now. Let's get up, have breakfast, and we'll go hike, or we'll go to the movie, or whatever the fuck it is. We'll go to the beach, or whatever, and then when the sun goes down, I'll see you later. We'll, we'll do it again tomorrow, because it's just, you start to cry, or you start to want to fight, or you just get unreasonable. Like, we were talking to someone the other day that was drinking, and we started talking sports, and you know, I was comparing two quarterbacks, and then you just have to go, oh... You're right. Yeah, totally right. My bad. Forget it. Because you see that, you get, you get that feel and that vibe and that way of talking that drunk people get that, of course, I had also. I mean, I was the worst. Yeah, and then it's like you're also getting baited. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, this is going to keep going. Because no drunk person is ever like, you know what? You just fucking changed my mind. That's a great point. Interesting. I think that way now. No one's ever had that after fucking 14 drinks. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that, too, with online people. Like, let's just say Twitter is the main one. But there's a guy that's always claiming he's always... I'm like, I think he said he's been bullied several times online. And I'm like, uh, this isn't happening to other... Like, don't you see you're the common denominator in this? Like, maybe you're antagonistic and you're getting reactive abuse towards you. Yeah, we were just talking about that. We listened to a celebrity on Howard Stern who had like three stories in a row of like, yeah, we had a huge falling out. That guy is crazy. I could tell you some things about that guy. And you're like, and they were like three people that have reputations for being like the nicest people. And you're like, and, and this person has a reputation for being a fucking asshole. So you're like, I, I try not to believe reputations because you're like, anyone can just say anything about anybody. Obviously, like I'm close friends with a person that has a reputation for being a fucking uh, predator or whatever. But... Uh, that's neither here nor there. But so you try not to believe everything you hear, but you're like, so here's a person that has a reputation for being an asshole and he's talking about having falling out with three different people who don't have that reputation. You start to be like, well, you've had fallings out with everybody that's been brought up in this radio show or podcast, whatever it is. Um, fuck, anyways, I forget what you were saying. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So that, you're, that common denominator thing from somebody is like, it seems like you're the problem. Yeah, there, there's people that are always in a mess or going through something, and you're like, well, you're creating this. Yeah, we've talked about that. You'll hear someone telling a story, and you're like, well, 
I want to be empathetic, but I'm like, I've never had anything like that before. <laughs> when have you ever been felt like you like really been bullied online? Yeah, well, I know, I know. but you're like, but the idea of like people being like, yeah, people just keep throwing drinks at me. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're like, well, I mean, it seems like maybe you're doing something fucking weird. But we're like, that's always happening. Yeah, yeah. Certain people obviously have a, a host of problems. Um, you okay? Sarah's got uh, plantar fasciitis, which I've been suffering from for many years. It's frustrating. We're getting old. I got a sciatic nerve problem. But we just hiked. We're up here in um, Burlington, Vermont, and we're having the time of our lives up here. Uh, I got to recommend, for maybe, or maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should try to keep it quiet. No one's ever heard of Burlington, Vermont before. We came up here to Burlington, Vermont, and we hiked Mount Philo, I think it is, P-H-I-L-O, Mount Philo, spectacular, easy, moderate hike, absolutely awesome. We went and bought some thermal underwear for $900, oh and uh, it's gorgeous. And then we drove out to uh, South Hero Island in Grand Isle. We saw a bald eagle. And we saw a bald eagle. It was fucking magical. And we had no plan. We just I, I looked at the map and said, look, let's look at this island. This looks like fun. Let's drive out there. And I always have this. We're driving to this island, and I'm like, let's just go out here. And then as we're driving, I'm like, what are we doing? This is like 35 minutes away. It just looked like woods. We're on a highway. I'm like, this is nothing. And then as soon as we pull out there, you take a sandbar out to the island. So it's an island that I guess they built the sandbar. I got to look into it. But you drive over a sandbar to get to the island and the sun is setting, and it was just spectacular. And you're like, this was all worth it. I don't know why I was questioning it. And then we stop. We just randomly see a state park sign. The road's closed. We park on the side of the road. We walk in. The moment we walk in, we see two bald eagles flying around, one at a distance, but one just right over our head. And uh, it was just dynamite. I don't know where I'm going with this, but what a lovely day. It was lovely. Yeah. I don't have anything to add. She's got nothing. But you are lovely. And we're just having the time of our lives, so I, I hope everyone's uh, doing well out there. I mean, it does suck. I, I, I get frustrated because I hear people say, oh, we lost a year of our life. And I should qualify this by saying, you know, I've been fortunate that I, I make money off of podcasts, although I did lose my main source of income, to be honest. But I understand people have gone broke and maybe they broke up, and I understand it's a sensitive topic, but... I just, people have gotten mad at me for saying this before, but when I say live your life, enjoy your life despite COVID, I just mean from a mental standpoint, there's a lot you can still do. Everything, tons of stuff is shut down, but I've heard friends be like, we've lost a year of our life. And I'm like, well, we're still alive. We're still here. And you can get in the car and cruise around. We're up here and we're fortunate. I have, you know, we've got the hotel, but we're, we're cruising around, driving around. We're not spending much money. We're just driving around and hiking, so I recommend that. I feel like I'm babbling a little bit, but what are your thoughts? Um, well, no, we were talking about that. Like sometimes you're all, sometimes you have these ideas of like let's go to Europe or something, and then you're you're just driving along areas that are like four or five hours out of where you live. Didn't we came across a American Revolution fort, and then we came this amazing lake, and then the island in the middle of the lake and we saw a bald eagle and it's just really pretty that you're like 
you don't have to spend a lot of money. You can just make sandwiches, eat on the side. We've been eating in the car a lot, too. <laughs> yeah, we're like little homeless people. We keep eating on the hood of my car and inside the car. But yeah, I, I'm, we're visiting my parents in Whitman, Massachusetts, and we took my niece and nephew out, which I talked about on Tuesdays with stories, which I hope you're listening to. Join the Patreon, for God's sakes. But we drove out. I was like, let's just drive down the coast, look at houses. Like New England, the South Shore has these amazing houses. We drove out to Nantasket Beach, and I said, well, we've never gone to this peninsula. And you can just look at the map, look for green spots, peninsulas, little things, and uh, drive out there. Go go do it. And uh, again, I'm coming from a place of privilege and yada, yada, fuck me, blow me. But um, yeah, and, and, do, and do some meditation. Get, get in touch with your, with your tits and, and stick things in your butt, as we like to say. Definitely. Definitely stick things in your butt. Sarah loves things in her butt. She just loves it. She loves it. And there's coins in there and there's little lipsticks and my wallet's in there right now. <laughs> um, well, this has been fun. This has been a fun little conversation. I hope that everybody enjoyed it. Sarah is now, she's the winner. Third time on the podcast. Second time during pandemic. One time you were just like the, the side host with uh, Chloe Radcliffe. And it was the same sort of thing. We had to share the mic. We shared the mic. That's right. So uh, I appreciate you. And uh, I appreciate you guys listening. There is not a ton of you, but you're so kind and you're so nice. And I keep doing it because people keep writing really nice things. I haven't had a review. I don't know what happened with the reviews. Maybe everyone that's listened, that's ever listened, has reviewed. But if you haven't left a review on iTunes, go give us a five-star review and um, you know write something that maybe people will want to check out. Are you going to say something? Do you have a name for your m- mental jackets? The uh, the jackets, the straight jacket? I don't know. I don't. We don't have a. Um, Little weirdo. I just did the funniest <laughs> bit. I mean, I'm holding the microphone. We only have one microphone. And I just perfectly held it to the mouth of the person not talking three times in a row. It was like a comedy sketch. It was like my brain went a little haywire. You know how you, your wires get crossed? And I'm like. When we were playing foosball, it was like that. Oh yeah, we played foosball. It was fucking great. Um, but anyways, I don't. We don't really have a name. But um, if you're still listening, reach out. Shoot me a, a Twitter, an Instagram, a Facebook message. Say you shoot me a twat. Shoot me a twat. Send it. Put a twat in the envelope and, and send it to me, and I'll I'll lick it. Um, but yeah, reach out and, and let us know and, and tag Sarah and uh, let me know you're uh, still listening. Um, I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're uh, staying healthy. And Sarah, tell them about your podcast and your album and your YouTube. You put the album on YouTube. My album, Voluptuous Boy, is on my YouTube channel, Sarah Talamash 1, because I fucked up because I didn't know how to do all this stuff 10 years ago. And then I started another <laughs> YouTube. It's all a mess. If you guys know how to fix it, let me know. Uh, you can stream my album on any of the streaming services, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, iTunes, and then follow me on Instagram at Stalamash. Yeah, do that. And also, yeah, I'm trying to push my YouTube right now. So go subscribe to my YouTube, Joe List. I got a new uh, kind of podcast thing with uh, Ron on Hirschberg, Joe and Ron on Talk Movies. It's on YouTube. You can watch it, subscribe. And I just put a new sketch up there that Sarah's in called If I Were Vincent Vega, and I might make more like that and um trying to build that up and um yeah go do that and uh take care of each other be nice to everybody and um i recommend a meditation practice and uh reach out if you need help and uh you know 
Be kind and please rewind. Thank you for listening. I love you. Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts. <laughs>